Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. That statement is probably more accurate that two guys tell you about the books they're reading this episode. Because we're <laughs> going to talk about the books we read this past year. Yeah, that's... Uh... All of them. So we are going to give you the synopsis, the author bio, plot points for 30 plus books. <laughs> um, I did not know that that's what I was signing up for. I... I... <sighs> Maybe I would have had a different. Uh, it's probably my fault, though. I spent I spent a lot of time getting a lot of information collected about all we did this year. So I thought it was going to be like that. We're reviewing the year, like uh, what? I mean, we could do like a speed round, like yeah, a minute per book. Yeah, those. Uh, when you get those uh, like sitcoms and stuff. Usually, like before they're the they're done. Like when they're they're closing yeah. out the sitcom, they'll run that special, which is like the highlights, the clip show. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's this is yeah. that's what this is, sort of. Except we're just going to talk about some things that happened this past year. Uh, we're not ending the podcast, though, right? Didn't we threaten that once that we were just like this was yeah, our last we, episode? Yes, we did, and I don't think anybody believed us. No, that well, I think that's gonna that'll come back. We'll be talking about that. Yeah. No, we, uh, we're going to talk about this past year. That's how we're going to close this year out. Now, for anybody who is really astutely listening, I did promise something a little different this episode. We did promise that Adrenaline Junkie by Les Edgerton was going to be this episode. But we're not doing that this week. That's <laughs> going to be next week um, yeah. for reasons. For reasons. Yeah, reasons. For reasons. I'll so, claim this uh, one. I was having technical difficulties with the ebook. Yeah. Um, Les Edgerton will be kicking off, or his book at least, will be kicking off our uh, 2019 reviews. Um, and I'm pretty sure we're going to have an interview with Les, too, sometime in January. So uh, that should be an interesting one, because I have questions. I'm almost done with this book, so I have some questions <laughs> I want to ask Les. So we're going to see if we can drag him onto the internet um, and get him on. But this episode, we're going to talk about our year in review, and then we probably need to talk a little bit about Bird Box, right? Yeah, absolutely. There's no way we so, can. We'll do that a little later in the episode. Rob, put together this amazing document, which is a list of every episode, the books that we read, and then in some cases interjected with little notes and stuff. So I think we should start with a statistic, right? Yeah. I'm going to start with this one because this one breaks my heart. And I'm sure as Rob was typing <laughs> it into the doc he was like god damn it livius and his weird sometimes ocd is going to be so pissed that we only have 51 episodes this year including this one yeah this is our 51st episode of the year uh i it doesn't bother me like at all that we didn't get the 52 see that's yeah i mean that's i think i mean we have some differences in some things this one you would think would be the other way around Right. Yeah. Like on paper, I would think that you'd be more bothered about it than I am. Um, but still, you know, I, I thought about this since I've seen the doc and, you know, there's not a lot of podcasts that do an episode every week. Right. And this isn't me patting us on the back. I was recently looking um, for some podcasts to listen to. And in Podbean, it has the date right next to them. Sometimes it's weird, right? Like, I'll be like, oh, this sounds like an interesting podcast. I'll be like, oh, but they haven't posted anything since 2016. Yep. So somehow I immediately become disinterested because they're not an ongoing podcast. But I mean, there's some pretty significant gaps in a lot of podcasts where they're not doing yeah. it every week. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And it seems like the more listeners you get, the more um, lax you can get with uh, 
Because there's some big podcasts that I've listened to in the past. Like even like uh, Kevin Smith's podcast, he'll go like two months sometimes without an episode at all, and then like three in a row, and then like another three months where he's not doing it at all. See, that's weird. Because really, what you just said is that um, if we get more listeners, we'll do less. Is that right? I mean, that's well. <laughs> I mean, theoretically, that's that's how it'll happen. Yeah, I mean, we got to do less because there's more people. I, I don't know. There's some math in my head that makes See, sense. And to me, I would think like, okay, if we're if we're if we have a lot more listeners and this becomes like a, a completely like self funded podcast, we're we're getting like actually paid to do this. And although I appreciate everyone on Patreon, you know, the vast majority of that goes back into the podcast. Right. Um, like, I would think I'd be like, Rob, we're making money doing this. We need to up our game a little bit. Let's do like more. 50% more episodes, right? Like, that would be my thought on it instead of then, you know, falling back and saying, eh, let's go to every couple of weeks. Or, you know, one of us be like, I don't know if I feel like doing it this week. The other one would probably be like, hey, listen, motherfucker, we need to get paid. So we're doing this this week. That would be me. That would be me doing the listen, motherfucker. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, you're right. Your 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 way makes more sense. Uh, there'd be a part of my brain that's like, we we're making money on the 400 something episodes where we weren't making any money ever, so we could take the foot off the gas. But that would be the lazy part of me. I just don't want to read more books. <laughs> okay. All right. That's so speaking of <laughs> weird. Um, but yeah, 32 books this year, which is, uh, I mean, that's gotta be tops for the last three or four years, right? Like we read more books this year. Oh, it's almost like you want me to look at my spreadsheet. I would love for you. And no, I, and, and honestly, I just, I feel like this is the most books we've read in, in probably three years would be my guess. 2017, we had 18 books. 2016, uh, 24 uh, 2015, 34. Ah, there you go. So this is the so, most since 2015. Yeah, not bad, not bad at all. So I'm uh, I'm pretty happy with that. It felt like a comfortable year for reading books. Like we read enough books. Yeah, we weren't like, like going nuts. No, and and the last couple of years we've both been like Jesus Christ. We only review so many books. But um, this coming year, I don't know. I don't know if we'll get there. <laughs> I don't know where we'll be. We have some plans for the coming year, so I'm not sure if we'll uh, if we'll get to 32 again. But uh, I, I appreciate that. So for me, I think that means I probably read like 38 books this year, which is still a little lighter than I'd like to be. But I feel like yeah. I was reading quite a bit. It was, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, we got we didn't do the lazy summer of podcasting, and I think that was like a big win. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah. Retire yeah. that. Like that's, that's I, probably yep not. It's, I mean, kind of fun, I guess, but like, I'd prefer to just read for the podcast, I think. Well, right. So <clears throat> that average, that average is what two, still just two and a half books per month. So that's not that bad. That's not bad. Right? So, yeah. So two and a half, three books per month. That's uh, when we started out, that was really the goal, right? Three yeah. books, one interlude. So I feel like, like we've kind of returned um, to that format a little bit. And I'm pretty happy about it. Yeah. The, the numbers are solid for books this year. Solid for books. And we broke the 10,000 pages. We're at 10,016. Which means we did not read super short books. By my loose math, those books were all over 300 pages I, on average. Yeah. So, not bad at all. Yeah. Pat ourselves on the back for that. Yep. <laughs> so, um, before we go into more statistics, um, should we spoil it right now and talk about our favorite books of the year where... 
Um, yeah, let's just do it. Just front load it. We're not there in the lead this year. That's right. So um, I struggled a little bit at first, um, but then I had to take out older books that we read. <laughs> so because we did a number of uh, throwback books um, that, that I really, really appreciate, I had to kind of take those out of the running. And really for me, and, and you know, again, people who listen regularly, this probably won't surprise anybody. Baby Teeth by Zoya Stage was my my favorite book of the year. Yeah, I struggled a little bit uh, going back and looking at all the books um, to kind of land on what really sat best with me um, this year, and it's kind and it's difficult. And there's several. Well, I'll start by saying which one was my favorite, and then I'll I'll tell you the other ones that were um, competing. Uh, Cabin at the End of the World, Paul Tremblay. Uh, I really really dug, and that guy is just on fire. Um, but the ones that were in tough competition, uh, would be, uh, Cherry by Nico Walker. I really enjoyed, uh, Baby Teeth and I would say Unburied Carol, Josh Mallerman. Um, and that's not even to mention the fact that like David Duchovny was the, uh, I would say of all the books or, or authors, he was probably the biggest surprise, but uh, overall, uh, I, the books I listed were probably the ones that I thought were my favorite. Yeah, and, and I would have to agree with you. I mean, I have some some honorable mentions as well. Cherry was uh, was really fantastic, and this might surprise you a little bit, but as I look through this list, the original Adventures of Ford Fairlane really jumped yeah. out at me as something I really enjoyed. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, so uh, it was a it was a good year, a good year for books. Not a lot of losers either, you know. Like I was yeah. looking through the list, and we uh, we we padded, we padded our reviews a little bit by mostly, um, I think, picking things we thought we were gonna like. Like we didn't really go into this. Maybe the president is missing was one where we were kind of going for something we really didn't right. think we were gonna like. Yep. The rest of them all were pretty much. You know, in our in our wheelhouse, none of them were out of out of uh, the ordinary. I mean, all right, look, I didn't really care for Adjustment Day by Paul, yeah, but I wanted adjustment to like day. it, right? But but <laughs> my point is, when we picked it, I was like, oh, Paul, yeah, yeah. So I was, yeah, it wasn't like I was picking it to to shit on it, like maybe we did a little bit with the the president is missing. At least in in our in my initial thought was like, all right, well, here's a book I'm gonna fucking hate that we're gonna review. So I mean, we did. I feel like we didn't challenge ourselves outside of our comfort zone a lot this year, if that makes sense. Yeah. Which is interesting because I'm going to talk about another statistic. Um, absolutely, 2018 was the year where we um, read the most um, advanced reader copies of books that were not like kind of prearranged to be sent to us. So, like, mm -hmm. we get, you know, the Big Fives just sends us random books. Uh, because we're on a list or a distribution list or whatever. And I think it was five. Is it five? I think it was five reviews. Our books. So AJ Finn's Woman in the Window just mm -hmm. randomly showed up at my house. Um, I think that we, uh, In the House in the Dark of the Woods was the same thing, right? Uh, yes. Chicago. Chicago. David Mamet. Yeah, it was another one. Yep. Um, yeah. So there was a bunch that way more than ne usual. Never World Wake. Never World Wake. Uh, but that was an easy one. I mean, yeah, because we'd already read a bit, right? Film, yeah. Uh, but uh, so, like, the uh, year of, I th I felt like we were taking more chances. We just took maybe 
easy chances or like more educated guest chances or something chances on things we're more likely to enjoy it could be it, this makes it sound like 2020 will have the the wheel of meat returning oh my god that's what i'm thinking i don't know about that uh so yeah happy to happy to be taking a trip down arc lane but then there was so that another one would be uh that residence book the brick eaters <laughs> oh yeah that's right yep that one we got someone reached out to us to to review that so mm-hmm. yeah a lot more interaction enjoyed, with the presses. Yeah, we enjoy that um, so much that one of our first books of this coming year will also be um, something that someone reached out to us about that's really outside of our, our uh, wheelhouse. An Anonymous Girl yeah. by Greer Hendricks and Sarah Pekinen. Sure. Cannon. I don't know, St. Martin's Press, though. So that's going to be in January. So we're already kicking off next year with an arc, which is, uh, again, a little different from previous years. Yeah, so... That's some stats for you. We, have um, we should mention too that another way to fall was another first for us. That was in that. Uh, oh yeah, where you you get the book and you read it and then you send it to someone else to read. Yeah, the whole pay it forward. And you make a thing. donation. Yeah, so that was a that was a new thing for us as well. Yeah, we sent we had two copies and we sent them to I believe Adam in Oshkosh whose legs don't work and uh, Sean Ferguson. Mm-hmm. Yep, long time friend that of the podcast, accurate. Sean Ferguson. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that was cool. Oh, that was good. That was good stuff. All right. It's 2018. Also saw five holiday Facebook Live broadcasts, um, four of which made it to your ears <laughs> if you were an audio listener only. Yeah. Yeah. One, uh, one didn't make the cut, but we won't talk about that one. We will not. But uh, it was interesting. I, I like the Facebook live broadcast. Like, I don't even care that there aren't a ton of people watching. It's fun yeah. to see you guys while we're doing this. And it's different. Somehow it's a little different than um, than just doing what you and I do every week. Yeah. And I think it's ni- over the years. So we've done um, we did the booked lives. I think the first time we did that was 2015, right? Or 16. Um, Sounds right. And that was something, but it was it was not episode focused. It was just like a hangout talk kind of bullshit thing. Um, it's nice how we've evolved the holiday thing in general from being like, oh, hey, let's talk about holiday stuff to like we have a structure and it's a different format, but it still feeds into the regular podcast. So I think that that's become I don't know if the listeners care for it or not, but like for us, it's it, like for me, it's one of my most looked forward to um things about the podcast for sure i enjoy doing it um i don't know that we're gonna do it more i think we do it the right amount if that makes sense like five per year sounds like a good number um but yeah it's definitely something different and it's uh it's nice to have other people on so you know obviously 45 episodes or whatever me and rob occasionally we have an interview but with the exception of of seth harwood earlier this year I feel like the other ones are like interviews. Yep. So it's really you and I against the other person, if that makes sense. <laughs> right. Um, not in a combative way, but um, in the episode we had with Harwood and Nick Corbin to, to some extent, I think felt more like a third person hanging out. Right. Than the, you know, interrogation that was uh, the other couple of, of interviews that we did this year. <laughs> so so it's a little different. Like like the holiday episodes are a are a lot more of a, a structured hangout, I guess is probably the best way to, to say it. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, they're a lot of fun. And I I got I get constant, not, not constant, 
I get consistent um, feedback that interlude episodes are like always a positive. Like we always have, we have a, like a solid group of people who enjoy the interlude episodes because it's of those motherfuckers that don't read. Yeah. It's those stupid non-readers. We love you because no, <laughs> um, but it's because it, it's for that reason. Like some people are turned off by the fact that we're talking about a book they haven't read. Uh, and we apparently we act a little bit different in an interlude. <laughs> it's because we're never fucking prepared. We don't know yeah. what we're going to talk about. <laughs> that's what it is. Uh, Maybe we yeah. need to lo- loosen up if that's uh, uh, if that's what it people are liking. Yeah. Speaking of interludes, we had nine interlude episodes this year. I think four of them were in December. Because what it feels like. <laughs> yeah, we've we've. Yeah. Yes. Um. But I don't think I counted the holiday ones in that. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's not, yeah, whatever. Yeah, There's mathematically, we could probably figure this out, right? So nine interlude episodes and five holiday episodes is 14, plus yeah. four interviews is 18, 18 plus 32 is 50. That means there was one episode where review. we didn't. Well, I was I was just throwing Damn that it. to you. It's going <laughs> to mathematically give that to you so you could be impressive. But yes. We reviewed another movie, something we've done four times now, I think. Oh God, I don't, I, I don't even remember what other movies we talked about. Well, thirty-one. Oh yeah, the Rob Zombie movie, thirty-one. Yep. The oh. other Rob Zombie movie, Lords the, of Salem. The Lords of Salem. Um, and then we talked about. Oh, I feel terrible about this. The movie we went and saw at uh, at Columbia College. Oh, fuckload of scotch tape. That's what I it's called. I that. couldn't think of what it was. Jed Air's um, book yeah. to movie or story to movie adaptation. Yeah, with Julian Grant's uh, directing or whatever. Yes. So I think that might be all of them. But this one, 2018, Annihilation, uh, based on the book Annihilation by Jeff Vandermeer, came out and uh, we saw it separately. Did an episode where we talked about it. Talked to, and it was it was interesting because it had been so long between reading the book and watching the movie that it was a little difficult to remember. Is this how it happened, or what was different for mm-hmm. me? For me, at least. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was good. Uh, very happy for Jeff Vandermeer. Um, for getting some love off of that Annihilation movie. Yeah, that was a. It was a weird movie because he got some love. But the movie also got like that was a very um sort I'm looking for a little polarizing. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was that was a love it or hate it movie, and and in equal parts I think I think that went right down the middle. But mm-hmm. either way, I'm glad for a huge payday. I'm hoping a huge payday for for him, um, as I am happy for all the authors um, that we review on this podcast when you know when they get some extra scratch. Yeah, when they're not just hitting that like option expire option expire option expire cycle which is actually kind of nice too i I was gonna say yeah it depends on which one pays more (laughs) (laughs) it's it's probably nice to get paid for your book to not be made into a movie too i know we said we're going to talk about bird box later but this seems like a perfect segue into a little bit and we can talk about the movie later but god damn it man i'm super excited for josh Mallerman to have this movie right and the movie comes out and there's some critic reviews that weren't really that great but people seem to love it so mm-hmm. i watched it um the day it came out as you did you had messaged me i think i was like three quarters away through the movie when yep. you messaged me to tell me that it was great but this is the thing that bugged me 
as happy as I am for him, somehow, and I saw it, it was someone posted, it was, I, I saw this a few times, but the one that struck me is someone posted on his Facebook page, um, something like, so glad to see you made it. Like, the movie somehow justifies his writing career. <laughs> as opposed and, to, like, being published on a Big Five publisher. <laughs> right. But you know what I mean? And I, I feel like that's what people in general think. And, and I'm not not taking away from my excitement for him and for people to hopefully see this, then go out and buy his other books, right? I just felt like, like, I read those and the subtext behind them is like, oh, well, you're a guy writing books and now... Now you're a success because your fucking the product that you made was adapted into a completely different <laughs> right. medium, and it bugged the shit out of me. Yeah, I could see why that would bother you, because um, it's basically saying like, "Oh, now you matter to people that matter." <laughs> right? Yeah. Like until this, you were just the guy sitting behind his keyboard, dude, writing down weird shit, and and you know, and now now that you're on Netflix, this is the mark of success. And the funny thing is, like, it was by no further effort of him. Like, he he still just wrote the book. Someone else did all the other work. But um, yeah, 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 so. yeah. I, I I hear you. Um, it, it, but at the same time, like this, regardless of how like probably unintentionally petty people are sounding, like this kicks some doors open. I think. Oh, for sure, and that's look. Polinick became a household name because of Brad yeah. Pitt and Fight Club. Yep, that's, that's how he. So again, I'm not, and, and I'm, I'm super excited for for any of you. Frank Bill's got a movie coming out in, in wider distribution right in the next couple of months. Yep. Super excited for him. I just hate that somebody thinks that's the mark of success. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is if you're a screenwriter or a director or an actor for sure. You know what I mean? But nobody looks at an actor who writes a book not to segue into David Duchovny and says, buddy, now you made it. Now you're creating your own content as opposed to acting out somebody else's. That actually, now that you say that I, I, I was looking, I was scrolling through Facebook and, and I saw Josh Mailer had been tagged in, in somebody's posts and ah, I wish I could, I know I'm not gonna be able to summon it quickly, but it was something not super negative, but kind of, like either lukewarm or, or judgmental or, or something about the bird box movie. And then, and I don't understand this at all. He comments on his own post saying, Ooh, didn't realize Josh Mailerman wrote this. Hey, congratulations. Or something like that. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and I was like, well, you want to talk about poor form. He basically like said something negative about the movie and then tagged the author of the book in a congratulatory. So that's kind of what you're talking about. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it was it was Yeah, so I think people right now are struggling with the sudden like phenomenon that is Bird Box because it is exploding on social media in in and we might as well just talk about do you want Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. In it's weird a, ways, right? Yeah. Uh it, it's very memed. Like uh there's some viral videos of people talking about Bird Box and I see lots of memes. There there the memes are everywhere. Um, yeah, and everybody's talking about it. Um, I mean, if you could project that it was going to be successful, the leap to meme is not hard when you've got someone running around with a blindfold through half the movie. Yeah. Like that lends itself to memes um, yeah, a lot. Yeah, memeable for sure. Right. Yeah, it's just an issue of is it big enough for people to get what it is? And clearly, 
um, straight to Netflix, which is let, let, let's face it, right? Like that's no that's nobody's dream, right? Like a director doesn't they want their movie out in movie theaters everywhere for release. seven or eight yeah. weeks for sure, right? So this had a minor theatrical release, but this may uh, this may be the one that proves that straight to Netflix is uh, is an okay way to get a ton of fucking people to see your movie. The movie has to be really good though, and this one for sure was. Yeah, um, and for me, it's just. Uh... I it it's not often that the thing that I love so much becomes kind of universally like it, it becomes part of the 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 global dialogue or whatever you want to say like <laughs> um and and so like for me it's just a little strange seeing all of this and sitting sitting and watching and being like motherfuckers that was you know this is my conversation from 4 years ago where have you been yep right you know? yeah well that's what it took and that's that's the sad part now we know that Josh made it cuz you know movie yeah uh so do you have any thoughts on the movie itself yeah since we're in it now yeah we might as well just uh right uh we might as well just do this um i thought it was great uh i i having read the book obviously i was very cautious about uh whether i was going to like this or not and then livius kind of showed me like you mentioned before you showed me some of the early reviews from critics and stuff and it was not bad, but it wasn't like a runaway success uh, as far as like the numbers looked. So I was a little bit um, cautious about getting too excited about it. But goddamn, man, like even like t- t- 10 minutes into the movie, I was like, this is going to be amazing. And um, a couple of the things that I particularly uh, appreciated without getting into spoilers or anything was it found a way to maintain that tension uh that like kind of page turner kind of feeling i got from the book you were constantly uh like had a little bit of an anxiety throughout the entire uh story the entire movie and that was like one of the things that i thought was pivotal to making the book so powerful was that you were always on edge and and they did it and that was probably the thing that i thought i was very i was the most thankful for was that i was really impressed with sandra bullock oh yeah um I've never been like a big fan of hers. I thought she was adorable in Speed, you know, whatever, 20-something <laughs> years. You yeah. know what I mean? And, like, she's done other stuff. I've just never been, like, a big fan. Um, but, man, did she really knock it out playing the the, the role that she did to get without getting into a ton of spoilers? You know, she was uh, not just that she was a badass, but how flawed she was as a character and how well she portrayed that uh, yeah. on screen. Um, was was really terrific a tremendous job by her and those kids the kids did a really good job too yes so it's very uh very impressive adorable kids in that movie yeah um as far as sandra bullock goes the thing that i liked about it was like in every interaction that she had with care with any character it her performance reinforced how we felt about her character like it was never like there was a light moment with this person, but otherwise, you know, she was always the same character throughout. So yeah, she did a very, very good job of it. Those kids, man, just break my heart all over the place. Uh, you cried oh, like man. a little bitch, didn't you? I cried so much during this movie. I cried so much, especially like the last, <laughs> like uh, the last kind of the final moments, you know, mm-hmm. The final action. I'm trying to say it without saying what happened. Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, all that final action when everything mm-hmm. is like at its most like tense and the, the mm-hmm. stakes are the highest. I'm just like, it was, 
I was sobbing the whole time. Yeah, I did sob. I did get uh, pretty fucking teary-eyed, though, in a couple of parts. Yeah. Um, and they, they were all, like, thanks to Sandra Bullock, quite honestly. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. that her performance is really, really what, what brought that out. So, Well, the um, kids nailed me at one point, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, but even the weird thing is, like, the sadness, for me, carried on after the movie was over. Like, I needed some time to, like, disconnect from that feeling. It didn't just go away when the credits started rolling. So that was, I wasn't expecting that, but it was it was a heavy feeling. Very interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, overall, tremendous job to, to everybody involved, obviously to Josh for creating the story. And then, I, you know me, I don't know a bunch of actors and directors or stuff, but whoever it was that put that all together, tremendous job. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't, I'm probably putting my foot in my mouth if I'm wrong about this, but I, I think I looked at the director and I'm fairly certain has not done much other stuff before. So this hmm. might be a breakout, um, Suzanne beer. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. I'm wrong about that. She's done a ton of stuff. So my bad, uh, <laughs> any stuff, any stuff that like is recognizable or, uh, bird box. I know that one. I saw that one. Um, I'll let you know if I find another title that I recognize. Not really. Lots of credits, lots of stuff, but um, nothing I recognize. So yeah, you you know, you were saying it's weird for the rest of the world to be on the same page as you. Yeah. Um, Think about how I feel, man. Like I'm half watching anime and Korean dramas (laughs) and like French crime shows. So it, it's really not often that me and the rest yeah. of the world jive on on something like this. So, yeah. um, that's the so here's the fucked up part. So if this wasn't Mallerman's book, all the hype it got, I would have been like, yeah, this isn't something I'm gonna like, and I just wouldn't have watched it. <laughs> like that's what would have happened. So, well, it wouldn't have mattered because it wouldn't have been Mallerman's book. Right. Yeah. Well, that's yes. Yeah, that's true. But you get what I'm saying, right? Like the amount of hype around this just, and and again, I know that I have a ton of friends in combo, Josh Mellerman on social media, right? So that's why I'm seeing an abnormal amount of posts, probably more than the average person saw about bird box. I I don't Uh, know. I don't know. You don't think so? I mean, I've been reading. uh, So a couple of my favorite subreddits are black people, Twitter and white people, Twitter. Okay. Black people, Twitter. It's just nonstop. Bird box meme, bird box memes. Like they're talking about it all the time, and it's just been worked into the lexicon. Like everything is compared to bird box. There's a lot of it. There's a there's a great um, there's a black guy, and I'm sure I saw this because someone shared it to like Mallerman's social media page on Twitter or some whatever it was. But it was a black guy doing a review like outside his house of the movie. If I come across, yeah, I'll have to send it to his really fucking fast. Yes, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's just wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Wait, and he was like holding one of his kids or something, if I remember. No, no, no. I don't think he had a kid with him. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. There's another picture of him with his kids like running through the yard or something. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but But it's it's everywhere. And you know what? It might be that like it might be something that fades in a few days or something like that. But like in the days after Bird Box came out, it was just everywhere with those memes and people talking about it. You know what I don't, and and I don't. I'm sure there's a way to, and, and obviously different deal structures. But like, if this was a wide theatrical release, right? Like right now, we'd be reading. You know, they won the box office last weekend with 110 million dollars or something, right? Because more people saw it because yeah. more people are talking about it. 
wonder if on Netflix, like because of Netflix structure, like if more views come, you get more money. Or, or did they just get a hard payout? And, and I'm not talking about Josh specifically. I'm just talking about anybody, the production, the production company, company or yeah. whoever. Yeah. Um, if they were like, hey, we're going to pay you $25 billion to make this movie. And they make the movie and they pocket $5 million or, or whatever mm-hmm. um, at the end of it. Like, is there any more money that comes um, to them for it being more successful? Or do you make the movie and you're excited about the success, but you're thinking, God damn it, should have pushed for a wide theatrical release because we could have made a shit ton of money. That's tricky. Um, yeah, I, I, the only immediate revenue that I can think of would be in new subscriptions. Um, so there might be a calculation based on that because they're counting on continuing revenue. Um, but yeah, who knows? Uh, who the, the fuck is still signing up for Netflix? I don't know. There's people, they right? No, everybody already has it or is yeah, using everybody. someone else's password. <laughs> when, when have you said to someone, oh, it's on Netflix, and they were like, oh, I don't have Netflix? Just think about that for a second. You might as well say it's on ABC. Uh, Jesse doesn't have Netflix. Fucking Jesse. How is someone not giving Jesse their password? <laughs> I'd, I'd give him mine, but like six different people are using it already. Uh, I don't know, but... Uh, all right. Well, thanks for being so aggressively shooting down that thought. <laughs> Sorry, I, mean, I just it's just a weird like I don't know. I just feel like it's ubiquitous now. Like let's just All right. Well, I guess uh-huh. so my I guess my amended answer is I have no idea. There you go. Yeah. Now, if you said Hulu, because I tell people it's on Hulu <laughs> and you could just see like their shoulders slump when I tell them about something great. And I'm like, oh, it's on Hulu. And they're like, oh, for me, it's Amazon Prime. If something if you tell me something's on Amazon Prime, you may as well say you have to travel to another dimension to watch this because <laughs> it'll never get watched by me. I've uh, I've started watching more stuff on Amazon Prime. Um and I know we're completely off track now, but let me give a let me give a shout out to the, <laughs> the producers of the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which I thought was uh, was really well done. I just watched season 2 of that like 2 weeks ago See, or whatever when it came out. That's something that people are talking about and I'm like I'm never going to watch. Someone's like you got to check out Man in the High Castle and I'm like that's never going to happen. Because it's in an alternate world where yeah. Rob doesn't have all Amazon Prime. <laughs> so the weird thing is it used to be like someone was talking about a movie and you'd be like, oh, I'll wait to rent it on DVD um, or a TV show. And then you'd be like, oh, well, that's going to be on Netflix eventually. So I'll catch it then. The problem is when it starts on Netflix or Amazon Prime, where does it go? That's it. That's the yeah. only, that, That's the end result versus before we always had like a secondary market to wait for. Now, if it's an Amazon original, the only way to see it is an Amazon subscription uh, or Netflix. It'll, it'll make it to stores like iTunes has um, Amazon prime shows and stuff. Oh, but interesting. Buy okay. them. <laughs> I was surprised. See, I'm, I mean, I guess it's a revenue stream for them, but I thought they would do that thing where you could only buy it from them. No, they, well, it's licensing like anything else. Yeah. So they, yeah. they're just trying to reach maybe, I mean, I don't, I mean, this is the most boring fucking conversation in a year in review we've ever had, but like, Maybe selling it on other stores gets them to uh, get new customers, uh, new subscription. Are you going to yell at me because no, I said no, new subscriptions? No, no, no. <laughs> it is the same thing, though. I saw a thing that said uh, Amazon, that Amazon has you know tens of millions of new subscriptions this holiday season for Prime, and it was kind of the same thing. I was like, who the fuck already doesn't have Prime? Me. Yeah. Rob, what, what is this anti-Amazon thing? Uh, I mean, well, it would get even more boring if we talked about that. But like, if you want to talk about, so in in a nutshell, Amazon 
is everything they build, everything they make, everything they create is 100% focused on selling you things and getting you to shop. Remember they made a phone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, that yeah. phone was 100% focused on getting, making it as easy as possible for you to buy things. Okay. I'm, I'm, fig- I, I'm with you. I'm not disagreeing. So I'm I, just waiting for... So I don't want... For... I don't want. I don't want that. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, that's fair. I mean, as a company, I understand why they do that, and I think they do a pretty good job. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I don't. Amazon is not without its problems. Um, but I mean, yeah, as a business model, it's hard to argue with. They, they're taking over the world. I mean, I don't like that. I don't like it. They're using your private data. Blah blah blah. I'm gonna put. Hang on. You hear that crinkling? It's my tinfoil hat. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're finally making peace because the weirdest thing. So, and then we'll we'll drop this boring ass discussion. But the weirdest thing was like their constant fights with Apple and um and and Google. So they just started selling, I guess, iPads and iPhones like last yeah. month. Mm-hmm. Um, they still have a beef with Google, <laughs> where they wouldn't sell um Google Chromecasts on Amazon, which is the the Google streaming device. So yeah. then Google said, well, you can't have YouTube on any of your Amazon Fire TVs then. So they shut down like the YouTube stream. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> this petty fight, this petty <laughs> fight between these guys. Um, but it sounds like it sounds like they've made their peace with Google and uh, and now they're, they're selling Apple products. So yep. I'm guessing that there's, you know, enough money. I know that, uh, you know, and then Google and Apple finally made some kind of deal, something, something about Chrome on, I don't know, about using google as a default search engine or something on oh, yeah. safari or something yeah. like that so yeah. so now it's from we have three companies that control everything to now they're all working together and i can't see this being a great thing for any of us yeah so but uh yeah back to our year in review <laughs> so in 2018 <laughs> <laughs> well all these things we talked about happened in happened. 2018 you are absolutely right I was, I will tell you that there was a part of me that was like, do we just talk about the outside world too? Or do we just keep it to what happened in the podcast? So I have, this is the extent of the research I did for the outside world. I have the Mm -hmm. Wikipedia article for the year 2018 pulled up on my computer. Interesting. We might have to dip into that if, uh, if we go short on this, I don't think we're going to (laughs) go short, but we're not going to, but that's, it's ready. I got it. I got it ready to go. So we already talked about, uh, we've mentioned it all a little bit, but we did have four interviews. Um, two of them were a, what do we call them? A, a night with, a conversation with? An e- I think it was an evening with. An evening with Seth Harwood and Nick Corpin, right. um, longtime friends of the podcast, both of them. Uh, you should probably plan on hearing Seth again sometime in, yeah. you know, business speak, this behind the scenes stuff, sometime in Q1 of 2019. <laughs> Um, we'll likely have Seth Harwood on again. And those were kind of lighthearted discussion, you know, kind of peer-to-peer um, kind of things. But then we did two full-out, like, hard-boiled interviews. And uh, I'll let Rob talk about those. Yeah. Um, so as uh, as Livia's mentioned, one of his his absolute favorite book of 2018 being Baby Teeth, um, we uh, got to talk to Zoya Stage. Uh, about the book and that was cool because uh she kind of came out of uh hype uh from the book is how we've discovered her right like you just saw she's blowing up the charts and you're like hey let's check this out we Mm -hmm. ended up loving the book 
And I think, if I remember correctly, we are the first podcast she ever made an appearance on. Yes. And so Her we words. basically, yeah, we ruined the experience for all, because it's never going to be as good on the other podcast she's going to go on, right? Yeah, she's going to, she's, here's the whole thing. She probably got like a podcast request, <laughs> like the day after our episode came out, right? Mm-hmm. And she went on there and they were like, so your book, Baby Teeth, um, is this about children under the age of three or is it when they're kind of moving away from their baby teeth into adult teeth right. <laughs> is probably what the <laughs> questions were like so she thought she was gonna get on with guys who reviewed the book and really had like some questions and yeah right and it ended up being those softball morning television show questions like mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. before you were a writer you weren't a writer tell us about that like that kind yeah. of garbage Yep. Yeah. So it was so cool talking to Zoya and and learning more about um, what inspired a very unique book. Um, and then we had another interview. This did we already tell the story of how we got this interview? We should we should talk about it again. So uh, David Duchovny and we we reviewed Miss Subways in May, and in when in the review for Miss Subways we said, and I don't know what inspired was it you or me that said it doesn't matter. Um, we said, Hey, David, if you want to talk to us about the book, email us bookpodcast at gmail.com and, and never thinking ever that that was going to work. Nope. Cut to, I'm driving to Austin with, uh, Ryan, the former marketing intern. And, uh, in Memphis, uh, we're at a coffee shop. I open up my, I unlock my phone and I see we got an email. I look at it and it's from someone saying, Hey, I listened to your Duchovny interview. I'd love to, you know, I'd love to talk to you guys. And I'm like, Oh, this is fake. And then I'm like, even like texting back and forth with Livius. And we were super, super cautious because we didn't want to look like dickheads. Right. Like if someone was just messing with us. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Cause I mean, a, I don't, yeah, so a, I don't know what the conversation happened. I found so <laughs> Rob's message said, I'm going to read you some of this. Okay. <laughs> so Rob, and I'll just say his name and then what he said. And then, yeah. So Rob, either we're being pranked or we just got an email from David to So, you know, there's a, there's a, like two minute gap. Cause that has to be me reading this, you know, finding the email. So I said, it has to be a prank, right? Rob, while they listen to the episode, me, I really want to be excited about this. Rob, want me to reply? <laughs> me? Yes. But in a way that doesn't make us look stupid if we're being pranked. <laughs> and I mean, this goes on and on. For like two days. Yeah. 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 It was wild. And um, it ended up being him. And even in the email correspondence with him, it was fun. And like, I could tell this was going to be kind of a chill, chill interview. So we set it up and it happens. And um, fucking the guy was just really cool to talk to. Yeah. It's um, it's funny because I just I just name dropped him. Um last week sometime I was talking to I'd say acquaintances and someone said something about the X Files. <laughs> and you know, I just I can't help it. <laughs> I, I can't I can't help it. I'm like, you know, I interviewed David Duchovny just a few months ago. Yeah. And they're like, What? I'm like, yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was uh he's not the best known author we've had on. So I tell people, I'm like, he's definitely the most recognizable name we've had on the podcast. Right. But I mean, we've had bigger authors because uh, let's face it, I like David's books a lot, but he's not like knocking down the New York Times bestseller list with them. Sure. Um, but yeah, 
what an interesting guy, though. That's the thing. Like, I was really excited to interview David Duchovny. But through the course of that interview, when I listened to it subsequently, I was, uh, you know, again, I didn't have, like, low expectations. But I didn't expect what we got, which was a super bright and engaging guy who, you know, who could talk for an hour and not be boring for, like, like five seconds of it. So it was a tremendous interview and, and definitely a feather in the collective book to cap. Yeah, honestly, like with with pretty much all interviews, this happens to me. But like this one, spe- especially like before an interview, there's just a part of me that just wants nothing to do with it. Like because of all the things that could go wrong, like it could just be a shitty interview and then it'll be a waste of time. Like my mind goes into this like negative space and it's amplified by the fact that this is like like a household name that we were getting ready to talk to. So like leading up to the Duchovny interview, you know, I wanted to be as thorough as possible as far as like preparing for it. But at the same time, I expected it to be a goddamn train wreck. Um, because like if I was too excited and it ended up being a train wreck, it would be super disappointing. Um, but yeah, yeah. Blew away my expectations. And, and, you know, you get that feeling like this guy's doing us a favor coming on the podcast and it wasn't, he was just genuinely interested in having a conversation with us. And so, Mm uh, my, my very, very low expectations were completely blown away and he's just like, he's just a interesting dude. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) See, Rob had expectations and I was like, there's no way this is him. That time is going to come and go. The phone's not going to ring. Um, it's never going to happen. And then like two minutes after our scheduled time, a little Skype call thing comes up with a phone call. And I was like, oh, crap. I go, shit. Now we got to talk to David Duchovny. No, like more of a like I, I like in my mind, I'd convince myself that this isn't going to happen. This is bullshit. Someone's going to get a good laugh at our expense. And it would have been a good laugh. It, it should have been a good laugh. I mean, really, there was a handful of people that knew this was even possibly going to happen. We didn't promote it on the show. Um, you know, friends and family knew that this was a possibility because quite honestly, I was frankly too embarrassed of being, being pranked to tell anybody. Yeah. I was kind of in the same boat. Yeah. It was a very turmoil, tumultuous, tumultuous, uh, week or two while Mm -hmm. this all played out. Yep. Absolutely. Um, but it's done. It's done. And maybe we only had four interviews, this year for guests like regular guests not permanent guests or permanent staff right but god damn it man they were four really great ones they were so towering yeah. giants yeah for sure um, yeah uh we did have uh is it all we want to say about that can i transition to something else for sure i do want to say uh what doesn't fit into some of the other categories we've talked about though is that rob hart was a guest reviewer for the president is missing. Um, uh, our other guest reviewers were either Jesse or Misty, but Rob Hart uh, helped us review that Patterson book specifically because he has co-authored with Patterson, and so that was a a, a, an in, a unique perspective to have on on the situation. But then he he stuck around to talk about his upcoming book Warehouse, which is it's gonna be another thing. It's gonna be the next Bird Box. Because it's already, you know, even before it's been published, it's already picked mm-hmm. up by a major production company or whatever. It's going to be interesting to see because I feel like Inspection by mm-hmm. um, Josh Mallerman and The Warehouse are going to 
cover the same ground, I think. Um, I get the feeling that both of them are, are going to be playing in the in the same in the same field. So it'll be yeah. interesting to compare and contrast those two. For sure. Yeah. Um, Rob's fun. Glad we had him on. Mm-hmm. We should find excuses to. I think an, sure. evening, an evening with Rob Hart would be great too. Just like when yeah. we're not talking about something he's promoting, because that guy is is a lot of fun to talk to. Oh, absolutely. And you're right. His having his perspective from having uh, collaborated with uh, with James Patterson on a book was uh, was was terrific stuff. Just terrific stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that guy's definitely making a name for himself and a fun guest to have. And and we, you know, I, I kind of mentioned earlier, but we're looking to do a little more of that this year. Um, I have been reinvigorated by the guests that we had in 2018 to not so quickly swear off guests in 2019. <laughs> which in previous years we've been like, yeah, we got to cut down the number of interviews we do. So. I'm uh I'm I'm reinvigorated in talking to people as if it's a uh, an evening with or if it's straight up interviews uh, I'm I'm happy to do more of both this year. All right. So I mentioned I kind of mentioned a moment ago when when I was uh, trying to shoehorn Rob Hart into our, our discussion um, that the other guest reviews and stuff had been Jesse and Missy. So uh, I have a statistic specifically for them. Um, each of them has appeared. Uh, Jesse has appeared in eight episodes in 2018 and Misty in seven episodes uh, in 2018, which is crazy. They're they're in six together and then they each had their Patreon pick that they had. And then Jesse also helped us review the Twin Peaks final dossier. So he was one more than Misty, but that's that's a lot of Jesse and Misty like they're I mean, they are permanent uh, uh co-hosts or mm-hmm. what do we call them permanent staff mm-hmm. um and they're putting in the time man can you imagine you don't have a podcast and you appear in eight episodes in a year yeah no shit i mean <laughs> i'm glad to see though that our patriarch patriarchal patriarchical sure right approach is still working and that we had jesse on more than misty yeah yeah so. yeah well if she likes twin peaks she could have been <clears throat> she could have been yep but uh, yeah, no, Misty is not a Twin Peaks person. Yeah, I love those guys, and it's super fun to have them on. It gives Rob and I, Rob and I are like the old married couple that are, you know, like we love each other. But sometimes it's just too much of just us. Yeah. You got to find that extra person to throw in the bedroom just to spice things up a little bit. Is that what old married couples do? They just bring another person I have, home. I have, I have no fucking idea, <laughs> but I'd like to think that's the case. <laughs> Um, spicy and that uh, makes that makes my <laughs> analogy a little more accurate if we believe that to be true <laughs> um here's the thing about them over the years they've appeared on a lot of episodes i mean i would guess that you know 25 maybe mm-hmm. total over the years and I, I mentioned this i think in another episode but like they are full-on podcasters like if they if they started a podcast they would absolutely be ready to go so um it's cool to see where they were when they first although no one knows that they have to give a rating which is i don't understand why they just can't remember (laughs) how many stars like every fucking time uh but besides that like yeah they are because they because they listen to the episodes but they never make it quite that far in (laughs) so we have to start doing the rating at the very beginning right yeah um yeah but uh, yeah, excellent podcasters, I would say. Maybe they'll do a podcast where they review booked. 
where they do a weekly <laughs> podcast where they listen to Booked and then they comment on Booked. I think this should be a thing. They always rate the interludes the highest. Well, I mean, it seems like that's what everybody wants. But yeah. you know what? That's the whole thing. We don't give a shit what everybody wants. That's right. That's what it's We've never us. have, and we probably never will. Well, money will probably change that. but Money will yeah. likely change that. Yeah. So thank you, Jesse and Misty. Special shout out to the two of you uh, for sticking with us and for uh, adding um, valuable um, fun to our experiences, to our to our episodes. We love you guys. We really do. Like an old married couple. Like an old married couple that's getting <laughs> a little bored. We love you guys. Um, oh, and you know who else we love, Rob, before we before we close this out? Who's that? The people that make this podcast possible. Oh, yeah. Um, so Patreon. I was thinking about this the other day. Patreon seems like a very new thing. But we've been on Patreon for since 2014. It's been four years. Yeah. Um, and we've had... Uh, in, in many cases, the same people uh, support, you know, people have come and gone, but um, some of the people that are with us now were there since the beginning. And that's just w- fucking great. You guys are, um, you guys are all just amazing. Yeah. And I mean, you guys look, would we do this podcast without Patreon? Sure. We'd still do it, but it, it makes it nice that we don't have to go out of pocket. So um, to to be fair, the the peak behind the scenes is you know we read thirty two books. It probably took us an average of six hours to read those books, right at three hundred pages, give or mm-hmm. take. Yeah. Um, you know that's one hundred eighty hours. Then we spent another fifty one hours at least doing, um, you know these episodes. And on top of that, Rob spends an additional fifty plus hours editing the episodes. Um, and on top of that, it's a little bit of financial stuff. Sometimes we have to buy books. We have to pay for hosting our podcast. Um, we have other bills that come up due to that. You guys give us the ability to do that without having to go out of pocket, um, which is super, super wonderful. Um, money that we have left over has gone to us going to StokerCon. Um, probably we'll pay for some of StokerCon next year so we get to do some cool stuff then. But then we try to bring you some content from that too, um, which we hope to do again. So really... Um, yes, at some point it would be great if this was our full-time job and we were pulling in 10k a month like some um, Patreon uh, creators. But it's terrific that you guys give us the ability to do this without digging into our pockets for it. So for that, thank you very, very much. Yeah, and um, I think it also inspires us to do stuff that we otherwise wouldn't really put energy into. And I know that sound that sounded negative, kind of, but like uh, we never cared about mugs before. Um, and the spoiler talk was something that we always joked like, oh, I wish we um, had a way to talk about this, but we never had like a reason to make spoiler talk a thing. And now that we can provide that as a bonus, like a benefit to the people who are supporting us, like that came along entirely because you guys um, were generous enough to support us. So um, at least half the books that we did in 2018 had a spoiler talk. Sometimes they were 10 minutes long. I think the longest was 45 or 50 minutes. Is that, is that demon theory? That was demon theory. Yeah. yeah. So uh, hopefully you appreciate that. And we're always looking for some cool stuff to do for our patrons. So if anybody is like, man, I, I need more for this dollar I'm giving you a month. You know, we are open to trying different things. But the the overall message is like, we love you and we really appreciate all that you're doing for us. For sure. 
and another year goes by and I still don't know the words to Auld Lang Syde. Am I even saying that right? I think it's sign. I don't know. Sign. Yeah, whatever. But um, I don't know. Yeah, that's it, man. 2018 done deal. 2018 done deal. Do you want to do a little? We did a little sneak peek at January, but like, do we have anything really? 2019. I mean, we have StokerCon. So mm-hmm. StokerCon's in in May. In mm-hmm. in in. I was trying to think of a good adjective for Grand Rapids, Michigan, and I couldn't. So maybe that's the adjective, like <laughs> in Grand Rapids, Michigan, um, which is cool because Josh Mallerman's going to be there, and uh, we've never met him in person. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Along with other people, there's going to be a, a, a gaggle of people that it's going to be. Is John Taft going to be there? He is going to be there. Yeah. I do have to call back, though, to our original discussion about this, where I said, if you get us Robert McCammon, I'm totally in. <laughs> oh, I am wanna, I still on the I hook wanna, for that? Oh yeah, for sure. All right. So you <laughs> better get on the happen. you better get on the horn with Josh Mallerman and and uh, and make that happen. I know you've got a direct line that you can use. So yeah, I put it. Uh, it's the it's a red phone. I just pick it up. It doesn't even dial a number. It's just yeah. It just rings at the Josh residence. Yeah. Sometimes Allison picks up. That's okay. Yeah, it happens. So just like the Robin to his Batman. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we've got that coming up. And then again, we mentioned a couple of the books that we're going to be reading. Um, there are some other things in the works as far as reviews and interviews go, as we've been kind of talking to people. I'm not going to give too much away because I don't know what what's actually going to come of any of it. But yeah, I mean, we've already started plotting out stuff for, for next year. And I, for one, am very excited because um, Rob is going to make it so that we can bring you an interview with Robert McCammon in the event that you don't know um, who Robert McCammon is. I was enjoying Robert McCammon stuff when I was a teenager and he's still putting out great books today. So <laughs> Holy shit. very excited. Yeah. Very, very excited um, to, to meet and speak with Robert McCammon. So that's, that's probably my looking forward. That's my highlight of 2019. And well, I think our next holiday episode is what the Ides of March. <laughs> oh, and a booked prom. Do you remember this from the holiday episode? I do. I okay. do. We're going to have a booked prom. Um, as a holiday episode, I know everybody was just drunk and like they don't remember, but like I'm really listening idea to was, this. The idea was mine, and it was fucking brilliant. So booked prom, booked prom coming yeah. up in June of this year. Yep. So lots to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not supporting us on Patreon and anything that we said made you feel like you should, Patreon.com/slash booked, a uh, dollar a month, early access to episodes, spoiler talk when we have it. And um, an ever-evolving list of other things that we want to do. So, um, yeah, head over there and, and hook us up. Cool. Well, Rob, is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap this up? 2018, bitches! That's right. So with that <laughs> said, um, until next year, I'm Livia Snudden. And I'm Rob Olson. Keep reading.